socially, especially. It's so bad. And how we deal with other people. Interesting. What do you think is the main... I'm recording now. What do you think is the main difference? I think my dad and I care more than Brianna and my mom about what people, what people think. think of us. And we're also like, want to be... Um, like, we're at the party and we're like trying to make everybody laugh and like we feed off of that social uh what do you call it like Your reinforcement extroverts. yeah but it's kind of pathetic like <laughs> we're pathetic <laughs> extroverts is that a thing <laughs> darling Dear readers, if you're tuning in, you're hearing some lower voiced Carrie and Quinn in this very moment. And do you want to know why? We don't have COVID. We don't have COVID. Calm don't down. We got calm tested. Calm down. I got tested. We have a cold. We have a cold. We, we have both a communal have a cold. cold. And it's kind of nice that to know that the world is normal and that colds still exist. But you can't just get a cold anymore. Well, when you it's get so a scary. cold, it comes with a very powerful anxiety attack now. <laughs> That's the only brand of cold out there that they have on offer currently. It's Yeah, it's it's a special, actually. It's two for one. <laughs> it's well, buy one, get one free is what it, what it really I've is. I've got just a pile of dirty... T- Picture this. A pile <laughs> of dirty okay. tissues. Yeah. A little bit of crust around my uh, nostrils. Ooh, tell me more. Matt told me to put Vaseline in my nose. You know what? People say that. Do you people, know people say also it, but say, do they do it? Um, I guess, yeah. Like, I would put, like, petroleum jelly here if you're, like... I don't want to smell it. in your nose, but isn't it, doesn't it kind of, like, void of smell? I don't know. I've done too much cocaine. I broke down all the uh, <laughs> capillaries, so... <laughs> That's actually what it, this is. This is a cocaine cold. <laughs> cocaine cold. We got to stop sharing our coke. We got to stop sharing our coke. It's so... And you know what... That's the thing is we we do everything. We wash our hands. We don't touch our face, but we do share Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Come on. She's kidding. I'm kidding. Guys, have a the sense kids of humor have for Coke, once. Not us. <laughs> it's from the kids. The kids' Coke is what did it. <laughs> Baby Coke. Oh. <laughs> Although Quinn might, Quinn just took a day quill, so all bets are off. Yeah, and Carrie said, "Oh, we're getting weird." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing Dayquil for the podcast." And I've and I said, "I've never done a Dayquil." I think maybe I have been, but I don't remember it feeling like, "Woo, party!" <laughs> I've never I don't taken Dayquil and characterize like, ah. Dayquil as that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start, pop a Dayquil and I'm take off my a top. Quick Dayquil and, and like bananas. get weird. No, I haven't done that. Um, I've got some stuff for our like classic segments. <gasps> you mean our classic segments like out of date update? Since you said out of date update, I'll dive right in. There was an article out that Post Malone finally spoke out about his uh, his being haunted by the Dybbuk box. Yeah, from touching it with Zach Baggins. And well, it, I read it. It um, I guess he went on late night with Seth Meyers and, he, talked and about it? he was like, listen, this whole experience made me a believer of paranormal. Ah. But then I found out that last year he also revealed to the public that he had his and I quote 
first UFO encounter when he was 16. So I don't know if it feels he can like not much of a this. stretch. Well, you're like, and this is the first time you've believed in the paranormal. I don't know if you can say those two things in the same breath. I feel like aliens and paranormal are sort of synonymous. Dear readers, tell us if that's not true. But like, if you believe in one, chances are you'll believe in the other. I sure. actually think that aliens, though, are probably more believable because Agree. the world is so like we are just Filled one universe, and there's just a vacuum of space. Out in the like we have like I can't even think about it because my tiny stupid brain can't even fathom like infinite possibilities. And here's what's really jarring: is what if the person I'm supposed to be with is on one of those planets, and so I'm screwed. As a single person, that's really tough. That's really scary. You'll have to settle. <laughs> Do you I believe there's only one that. person out there for you? Is that like your no, style of thought? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I'm not an idiot. Okay. Oh, thank God. Okay. I was going to have to break it to you. <laughs> Carrie, there's I was going to have to punch you in the head people. and then explain things. No, it's honestly, it's on me. I, I'm the mess in this scenario. <laughs> it's that I'm not, as I, I'm not good enough for anybody is really what it Even is. Even an alien. Even an alien. Especially they an better. alien. They deserve so much they better. They deserve better. By the way, you're listening to... Truly. Darkly. Creeply. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Ipema. And we have colds. And you are a cat. Okay. Which brings me to my next... Uh, Out of data? No, no. This one is... Theft laughs. Remember? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to text you this. Can you bring it up on your computer? With sound? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to play this for you guys. I guess everybody must have seen it this week. It's so funny. Okay, what you guys need to know is that there was a lawyer meeting with a judge, (laughs) the 394th Judicial District Court, in fact. Which, by the way, do you see the next line on it that's like, recording Recording of this hearing or live stream is prohibited, but someone recorded it. And we're playing it for you right now. Because... Basically, what happened is I recognize that I'm about to try to tell you a very visual joke through the medium of podcast. So who's the idiot here? Um, (laughs) I am. But it's so worth it. What you need to picture is you're going to hear the judge's voice and the lawyer's voice. Picture the lawyer is a cat on Zoom. A teeny tiny kitty. A cat. Okay. Chapatin, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings uh, you might want to uh, uh take, take we're trying to we're tr- can you hear me judge picture I cat said that you. i think it's a filter it, in the- it is and i don't know how to remove it i've got my assistant here she's trying to but uh i'm prepared to go forward with it that's <laughs> i'm here live that's nothing i'm not a cat I can I can see that. <laughs> it's, it's just um, a, I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat. <laughs> I'm not a cat is the quote of the year. And this what I the best thing to ever happen to this lawyer though was the second impeachment hearing where he was the second most popular lawyer story <laughs> of the day yesterday. <laughs> really? Like I didn't see that. Oh my god, I Representative Raskin played a 13-minute video that chronicled the events, and I was just sobbing. 
I can't, the footage is so sad to me. Like I, it makes me really sad. The January 6th. And so, oh, like, then I, I'm not going to watch that. I'd way rather watch a lawyer <laughs> that accidentally turned himself into a cat. But then, but then Trump's lawyers got up and it was so sad because it was really bad. Like the first It wasn't guy, funny at all. I, there was I no a, comedy. There was definite comedy and everybody made fodder for it. Um, however, it made me, I don't know. Schadenfreude is a weird, is a thing for me. Sometimes we love watching people fuck up, right? Like we love, that's the definition of schadenfreude. Like, I thought it was schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. It's a German word. It's German. Oh, so you're just oh, saying it with Dean. an accent. The thing is, we've got German listeners, so oh, let's apologize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I when I Schadenfreude, I love it, or Schadenfreude, or Schadenfreude, <laughs> Schadenfreude, Shake and Bake, whatever shake, you want to say. Shake and Bake. No offense. Um, sometimes we love it. Like, I love a little delightful, like, when Trump first got diagnosed with, with COVID after being careless with the rules, like, we're kind of like, hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. And then, and then it sets in where it's like, oh, no, I feel bad. And this one lawyer, like, he can't have not have felt embarrassed and everybody criticizing this first guy. And again, the thing is, I was looking up at him trying to find reasons to not like feel bad for him. And he's one of the guys that refused to bring charges on Bill Cosby in Pennsylvania. So like he has a bad track record. So I don't think he's a good guy. Um, I, I just like, I can't imagine someone who heard a review from just a common man and we made a whole podcast title on it. Um, I, I can't imagine like looking at all of these people who you respect or like colleagues just shitting on you. That sounds really hard. Yeah. I don't love that, but it was so rambly, so bad. He didn't make sense. It was like, he goes, he he started it it being like, ah, house managers did a really good job. (laughs) Um, so there's this guy, he's Dutch. And he's a sperm donor, uh-huh. and he's been donating uh, through the internet, I think, not like necessarily all legal platforms, his sperm, in a way where he's like the dad now of hundreds. So there's like a Law and Order SVU episode about that. It's like, very love creepy because, spreaders. well, yeah, it, what it's if they like start these, dating? That's the issue. There's these towns where people realize that it's happening and then they have to be really careful about dating. And they have to, they say there was a guy talking in the article about how when he's on dating websites, he's gotten really good at being able to tell like who his half sims are. <laughs> Can you imagine? This is like adding this. It already sucks to do online dating. And then you you add this other level of like. Same nose. But but am I accidental going to incest myself? Yeah, don't incest yourself. Don't do it. I. That's really dark. I. uh, I read an article a while ago speaking of sperm donors, and it talked about the black market of sperm, about how like people will go through like Craigslist or things like that and buy sperm obviously at very discounted rates because it's not through like a reputable you know program or sperm bank because mm-hmm. they're really fucking expensive those sperm banks mm-hmm. and that's like non including insertion you know mm-hmm. that's the medical term and so what I found out in this article that I read a while ago I cannot cite it 
I'm going to say New York Times. That's probably wrong. Do you know what the most common place to exchange sperm was at one point? McDonald's. Close. Ugh. Do you want to guess? Or Hobby you... Lobby. No, Ugh. colder. It was closer to McDonald's. Burger King. Starbucks. Starbucks. Because There's always one there. Because there's an individual bathroom. It's not like all Starbucks generally have like a single occupancy bathroom. And so what happens is these sperm donors will go in because it's quick. You have to be like, bing, bang, boom. You know, there's a... So wait, when you say exchange, is the situation that you meet someone at a Starbucks, you're like, jack okay, this is you. They go in the bathroom, they jack off, and then they bring... They leave and then a they cup leave of it in sperm, there, and then you like turkey. You go in and it. grab it and baste it in the Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You don't bring it home even because you got to do, right do it away. quick. Wow, Quinn's face wild. Well, Starbucks should try to do some sort of ad campaign based <laughs> on that, right? Star Spanks, Star Spanks old banner, <laughs> sperm bucks, <laughs> but I sperm banks. That's basically what Starbucks is. Sperm banks, Starbucks. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. And it goes all the way to the top. But I, but like people do this. And again, people who might like have a hard time conceiving, who don't, might not be able to afford a big sperm bank. And what's happening is obviously like they're not able to like test the sperm or like make sure that it's safe or like there aren't any, you know, issues with it or whatnot. They're just like, I mean, I mean, if people want kids, it's definitely a more affordable way. And you can get a latte while you're waiting. And while you're waiting, throw in a macchiato. Bing, bang, boom. Why not? Why not? Pumpkin spice your sperm. (laughs) Pumpkin spice sperm. Can I get sperm with the cold foam? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, that's my sperm anecdote. Well, thank you for it. You're welcome. There's also a story I was going to do, and maybe I'll do it later, about this doctor who... Don't give it away. Okay, I'll If you're going to do it, you can't tell me the punchline now and then do a drawn-out version later. I've done that so many times. I know. But I, I you know what? I really wish now, you wouldn't. Enough is enough. Enough's enough. Should we do the our stories? The stops here. The Starbucks stops here. The Spank Banks. I can't stop. The Spank Bucks star. <laughs> I like Star Spanks is really good. Spank Bucks. Mm. No. Mm. Maybe. Wank Bucks. Star Wanks. No. Starbates, like masturbates. Okay, we're getting. I mean, close. We're, we're, we're really def- we're circling. Is this what you wanted to listen to, dear readers? <laughs> is this when when you think of a writer's room? Is this what you is think this what of? You picture. Is it two people with a microphone in front of them, trying to find the best <laughs> way to say that Starbucks can capitalize on being sort of a sperm donor's haven? If so, we need work. If so, we'll just donate to our Patreon. We'll give you more content just like, just this. like this. We can promise. <laughs> I'm like sweating. You are. I just walked like four miles. I think I had too much tea. Caffeinated tea? Yeah. That'll do it. I had a tea. I had a coffee followed by a caffeinated tea, and now my palms are sweating. I'm also wearing this, so maybe that's why they're sweating. <laughs> Dear readers, I have those. She has the thumb hoops, thumb the hoops. thumb hooks, and then I'm complaining about sweaty hands, sweaty palms. And are your knees weak? Arms are arm spaghetti. I get so weak in the knees. I was quoting Eminem. Oh, palms sweat, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on a sweater already. Aunt Mom's spaghetti. It's I don't or arm spaghetti. We don't know what you he know says. a lot of lyrics. You know, if should I be worried about you? A thousand percent. But that's not the reason. I don't feel good. Oh God, 
Are you okay? No, I just, uh, I have a cold. I had a banana today, so I'm stuffed. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck right off. All right, let me do this story for just you. Just do the story, Quinn. Here's the thing. This story is a wild one. I got my information from a New Yorker article, and the title of the article was, What If Your Abusive Husband Is a Cop? And it's written by Rachel Aviv. <sighs> And the other info I got is from a publication called The Grip, and the writer was Sheila Matthews. This is the story of Jessica Lester. Do you say in this, and I'm just going to go, do you say the amount of police officers who've been accused of domestic violence? I don't, but I'm sure it's But there is, but it is, if you look at that number, I don't have it. It is, like, so insane. Oh, this story has already made me so sad. Well, let me say one thing, as long as you're going to say that. One thing that I did find out is that, surprise, surprise, it's like what came first, chicken or the egg, but don't hire someone that has domestic abuse in their background to be a cop is part of the problem. That's a really, like, bad idea. And the reason why is people that have domestic abuse in their background make really shitty cops. They make shitty, corrupt, trigger-happy power-hungry, scary cops. Totally. Also, while we're at it, just anyone who's been accused of domestic violence, I would say accused, or have been charged, or there have been reports, should not be able to have a weapon, should not be able to have a gun, should not be able to have any of this. They looked at um, the records of Chicago cops between the years 2000 and 2016, and they found the officers that were accused of domestic abuse in their life and their mm-hmm. personal life also got 50% more complaints filed against them from their colleagues because of using excessive force. So it's just like the correlation color me 0% surprise is there. All right. Jesus so this Christ. is the story of Jessica Lester friends uh, persuaded her to start dating this guy, Matthew Boynton, when they were kids. They're in like 11th grade. He is grandson of a sheriff in Spalding County where they live. This is happening um, an hour south of Atlanta. He's like cute and preppy and he's a year older than her. She's 15. He's 16. She gets pregnant. So they're going to, like, make it happen. So they move into a house together, and they are living across the street from Sheriff Wendell Beam and his wife. And Wendell's kind of got, like, this father-like relationship with Matthew. Mm -hmm. She almost never sees her friends or family. She sees a lot of the sheriff. Um, And when they go to, like, family functions, like... Uh, birthday parties, graduations. He's always doing that totally weird, abusive thing where he's like, let's go. Like they just got there. And it's like they're at Christmas and she's like, I just want to open my. And he's like, let's go. And she's like, very well. And they like go to her graduation. And he makes her leave early from her own graduation. One of her family members said it was almost like her personality got squished out of her. Ugh. That's so sad. Yeah. So he gets a job as a jailer at the Pikes County Sheriff's Office after they graduate. (laughs) Of course. Da, 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 da. The place they're living is called Griffin. Oh. Not to be confused with my son, Griffin. They aren't living in your son who was born 
20 years later. He's quite small. I don't believe they would fit. Gotcha. Let alone a whole township. Right. And prison system. Fair. I think you're getting the picture that their marriage is... Not great. It's not a one. That's a steak sauce. He calls the cops on her when he gets frustrated with her. Like when... Like he's like a baby. So he'll like call the cops and they'll come and he'll be like, she's yelling at me. What is it about abusers like wielding victimhood like that in such (laughs) a profound way where the real victim is the person they're fucking abusing? Well, and he's also a jailer. So it's this system of like when he calls 911, he's essentially like calling his his friends. friends. And you're like, look what she did to me. Yes. And and she was defending herself. How dare she? Totally. And it just sounds really embarrassing for her that these cops like show up and they're like, you know, don't yell at Matthew. Like, it's just like a bad situation. Um, so she ends up kind of getting driven away from him and having an affair and getting pregnant. Okay. And having this other kid. Wow. But he's like, it's fine. I'll adopt the kid. Oh, he but knows her, it's not his. Yeah. And the family's like, maybe she's doing this to get out of it. It's like brute forcing the relationship to break. But right. really, then he's like, no. Nope, I'm here. I'm here for it. And they get married. And at the wedding... I guess she just looked really sad at her own wedding. Maybe she was trying to be funny. I took, um, at my first wedding, I took pictures of me in my wedding dress looking really sad. Mm. Um, that worked Because I thought well. it was funny. Well, yeah, and then that marriage <laughs> did end. So maybe that was just a weird soothsayer thing where I knew it was going to end up that way. So I was like, let's get pictures of what's really going on inside of me. <laughs> That's so sad. I'll, I'll, uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, I'll send you guys a picture of... Uh, sad Quinn at wedding one and that's what I'll call the photo whenever after they get married whenever Jessica needs to do anything go to the store what the fuck ever do an errand she has to like ask permission obviously because it's an abusive relationship what's even crazier is she isn't allowed to just go do the errand often um, Matthew will be like I'll do it or Sheriff Beam will do it so remember they're friends with the sheriff across the street She'll have to be like, I need to go to the store. And he'll be like, well, the sheriff will take you. Or like, I'll take you. Or she's just not really allowed to do Do things. He takes their car keys with him to work, even though he has a car. Like, he has a cop car. But he'll take their personal car keys with him so that while he's gone, she can't be doing whatever she needs to do. I mean, I'm not, this is not excusing it. She did cheat on him, and I'm wondering maybe if there was, like... Well, so then he cheats on her with a girl at work. Courtney, of course. And so then, I guess that is the straw that breaks the camel's back, because then they they start to do uh, divorce proceedings. They're still living together, but she's essentially out the door packed. She's ready to beat it. But like I said, they're still living together, and she's about to start a new job. They go to a Walmart... At night because she's like, we got to go buy formula because I'm starting work. And they get into a huge fight at the Walmart that people see. And Matthew, of course, calls the police. He's such a little bitch. And he's like, she won't get in the car to come home. And the police are like, yeah, we we can't make her. <laughs> like, sorry, Matthew. <laughs> Um, but eventually, I guess she does get in the car because they end up going home and their neighbors see them get home. I don't know what time it is. It's late at night. They get home. The neighbors see them go into the house. And later around like 11-ish, the neighbors hear two gunshots coming from the house. And they see Matthew alone leave the house. 
Matthew drives to a waffle house and has late night, very late Uh. night dinner with another Griffin police officer. 12.54 a.m. He's on his way home. He gets a text from Jessica that says, I can't do this anymore. Take care of the children. Please tell them I love them every day. I have been suffering for a while now and no one has noticed. Here lately, I have not been able to recognize the person I see in the mirror. This is not the first time I have had suicide thoughts. I love you and the boys. So that text, there's a record of that text coming in on his phone at 1254. And after the text has come in and he's read it, there's also a record of the fact that he responded to another text in his phone, which is a joke that Courtney sent. And he wrote, ha ha, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't think about it like that, LOL, or something. So in other words, he got that text. He got this, He well, he, quote, got this text from his wife, didn't respond, but responded to a joke from his... And wrote the words LOL a minute after getting this text to someone else. So he was in an LOL frame of mind, let's be clear. And only after writing this text to Courtney, LOL, OMG, does he call... The cops. I'm going to read directly, like, his account. Right. Of what then happens next. I run inside to the first left. This is at their home. Which is known as our master bedroom. That's so weird. Which is known as our master bedroom. Like, who talks people like that? People in the know. They refer, people in the community people call the it community uh, call our, our master, master bedroom. bedroom. <laughs> I checked for my, my youngest child, Tyler Boynton, for the last known place I seen him. I did not see him in the bed where he would normally be. I did not see him in the floor where he would be playing. Upon exiting the room just before the exit from the master bedroom, to the left is a closet where we both share clothes. I I checked the handle. The handle is locked. From my understanding, can only be locked from the inside. Ran to the kitchen, grabbed my radio where I normally keep my, my work-issued radio. I turn it on as I was running outside. Once I got out the door or got out of the door, I notified 3015, which is Lieutenant Curtis Keyes of the Griffin Police Department. There were two shots fired, and I smelled gunpowder. I was not sure of the well-being of my children, due to a non-response of me calling her name in the apartment. So you can kind of tell by how he's talking that he's an idiot. Um, (laughs) You can kind of tell that he's a fucking idiot. Might be the kind of person that would write in a text message, suicide thoughts instead of suicidal thoughts is the first thing I thought when I read this. I mean, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't seem to be the most intelligent, if at all intelligent. I'm just like when he's talking about his his home, he's like I first entered, made a left into what is accusatory known as the master bedroom. <laughs> I then exited the room. I then went to a closet. This closet was locked. It was locked from the inside, apparently. Then I got my work-issued <laughs> radio, apparently. and I left. I went outside. I turned it on. It sounds like someone writing a fucking report, not finding his family missing. And I know we're not supposed to judge people's responses however this guy i'll judge him all the fuck i want well i'm also like <laughs> no matthew that's not at all what happened no. like it's like that you read it and you're just you went like to no, waffle house and you happened. killed your family and um, there we are well slow down let's let's hear what happened <laughs> okay, so okay, after calling on his radio because he's scared of her right scared <laughs> she has a gun he hears gunshots keep in mind 
The neighbors said they heard gunshots at 11. Now Matthew is saying he heard gunshots, two of them, at 1 a.m. Um, so the Griffin police officers arrive and they find Jessica in the closet in the bedroom. There's blood everywhere. She's lying on a pillow that has blood all over it. And Matthew's gun is under her stomach. The older of their children is asleep in his bed in his bedroom and the baby's in his own room and he's in his crib crying. So both the kids are okay. But what you have to consider is if Matthew did this, he did this and then left his two kids home alone with their presumed dead mother, which is a really intense decision, Matthew. The deputies go to the grandparents' house and they're like, Jessica committed suicide with Matthew's gun. The grandma of Jessica, Martha, is like... She's like, like, no fucking way. Exactly. She's like, wait a minute. This isn't tracking at all. Jessica's really scared of guns and weird about them. We did this thing with all our grandkids where we did target shooting class. Jessica wouldn't do it because she didn't, like, want to hold a gun. This And, like, also she just loves her kids so much. This... Doesn't make sense. Is weird. And also two shots. The fact that they heard two shots. If you're going to kill yourself, chances are you don't miss the first time. Yeah, there's two shots. You don't you don't shoot yourself You twice. don't do a tester. No. I don't think you do a tester And you're shot. like, that one wasn't good. Let's do it again. Let's like, do it you again. You just got shot in your own head. It's not it making make sense. sense to her. But she drives over to the scene of the crime. And guess who's there? Sheriff Beam. Which she thinks is weird right away also because she's like, oh, um, the sheriff doesn't respond to incidents inside the Griffin city limits. That's not his job. So it's weird he's here. It just, gotcha. it's weird. Let's talk about Beam for just a minute. Beam is a guy that lets shit happen under him that shouldn't happen. That's mm-hmm. his MO. He's like a an old boy, you know, like a good old boy. What do you call those? Bad those- boys? <laughs> He's a proud boy. <laughs> he probably is. I mean, what well, I'm he's just, like, he's like, you know what? It's none of my business. I'm not going to get involved. But he also, but he also beyond is, not getting involved, he has a history of shielding men. And there's this kind of backstory that ugh. is in this article about this guy. Basically, he, he protects okay. his people at all costs, independent yes. of their. Uh, uh, he's a guy that he worked at the sheriff's office for 37 years, and. There's this patrol division captain that works under him, David Gibson, who helped Beam get elected sheriff. And then after helping him get elected, had this motto, this personal motto of now I can do whatever the fuck I want. That got proven right time and time again because he would do crazy things. He would tell people in the department, like, I killed a woman in a wood chipper. I think he probably just watched Fargo and was like, I'm going to appropriate that. Fun. What he did do, though, factually, for sure is he would be horrible to his female colleagues. He told one woman, shut your cock garage. That's rough. He also told his secretary that she should wear a cowbell around her neck so that he would know where she was. And he coerced, like, a female employee to have sex with him, and she was, like, scared of him and did. Why is misogyny so deeply connected and then he does I just stuff like can't that to women in the community as a sheriff like like at risk um fucking vulnerable women you know like drug out people that are scared he would take he full advantage of or he would take them to jail he'll make them do sex acts so he's like a really really bad guy 
But whenever people in the department, the women that were scared in the community that it was happening to don't make any complaint because they're terrified. The women in the department that make complaints about his behavior, Beam will be like, okay, well, why don't you write it down? Like, why don't you write down that all this happened? And then they get scared and don't do anything. And then he's like, good. So nothing happened. Great. And he'll he let it lie. He sounds like a monster. It's tricky because, like, he's just somebody that it's just deep-rooted misogyny. And he's just letting the guys that he cares about in his department get away with murder. Literally, in this case. I hate people. So when the neighbors come and say, we heard the gunshots at 11, they just feel like shut down by yeah, the like, police. No, you didn't. You got confused. Well, the police are like, great, great, great. Thanks. Bye. And they like, don't question them. And further, and there's like, oh, by the way, um, I knew Matthew would do something like this. Like, yeah. and if somebody says something like that, it's the police job to be like, what do you mean? And instead they're Follow like, up. oh, cool. Don't really want to talk about it. Bye. <laughs> like they don't. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Bye. They don't press her. They don't question her. Here's what I need you to know. Jessica is alive. (gasps) She's admitted to the hospital. She's 19 years old at the time this happens. And the fucking trauma surgeon sees her wounds in there. They're explaining to the trauma surgeon, oh, she committed suicide. She tried to. She tried to commit suicide. And the surgeon's like, uh, that's not what this looks like at all. Like her hands don't seem to have any gunpowder on them and the angle's real weird. Also, we don't usually see people, uh, like you said, with Shoot two gunshot wounds when they're committing suicide. So the neurosurgeon, a different person entirely, is also like, um, this looks like someone else shot her. Let's put her in a medically induced coma. This is really bad. And her aunt, actually ends up taking a picture of the back of her head because there's a big crazy bruise on it that wouldn't have happened from like falling. It looks like there was a struggle, a fight. And she tries to give it to the cops and they're like not taking it seriously. They're just taking it and not doing anything. It's the jo- with well it. the Georgia oh Bureau God. of Investigation gets involved and they don't know Matthew, but they're still, like, not taking it seriously. Oh the neurosurgeon's like, there was some sort of physical altercation before she was shot. And they tell the Georgia Bureau of Investigation this, but the guy that's supposed to be recording it didn't bother to, like, charge the recorder or something. Like, they don't have that audio. Uh, they don't file it. Oh, my God. They don't run tests on her hands or his for gun residue, gunshot residue. This is so fucking infuriating because the thing is, is every for every time this happens once, I guarantee you it's happened multiple fucking times. Absolutely. So Matthew takes the kids and moves in with Courtney that he was having the affair with. He visits the hospital like once in the three weeks that Jessica's there. And the cops, meanwhile, are putting their attention on like, we got to get Matthew his gun back. We got to get him back on duty. That's the priority. He and Courtney break up in a matter of weeks. She was probably like, "Um, this guy's a creep. Yeah, I don't want to fake commit suicide either. So I'm out. So that's going to be a no for me. (laughs) 
Jessica, when she wakes up, is like, where are my kids? Right away. She does not remember the night in question. They're like, hey, um, do you know how to work Matthew's gun? And she's like, no, I don't know how to take it out of its case. I don't know how it works at all. And they're like, well, okay, do you think he did this to you? And she, she's like, I don't know. Isn't that your job to figure out? Two psychiatrists talk to her. She's not depressed. She doesn't need additional monitor, monitoring, which you would normally see with an attempted suicide. And the surgeon's like, yeah, the opposite. She was actually just really optimistic, wanted to see her kids, was like driven to get better, which is why she recovers quickly. My God. Because she's discharged after a month. And she should actually go to rehab, but she doesn't have insurance. So they're like, God bless America, you're discharged. Isn't that insane? Oh, my God. And she can't even have, like, an order of protection against her, like, or for her. So she, right, she goes to stay with her grandparents, and she has a limp, she has headaches, she has short-term memory lapses, numbness, ringing in her ears. She should be in rehab is all I'm saying. She's home with them for less than a week. And then you're not going to believe this. A Pikes County Sheriff's Office uh, representative comes to her and delivers a family violence protective order to keep her away from Matthew and the kids. No, I knew it was coming, but it doesn't make it any less fucking painful. So she has to get a psychiatric exam to to see if she's like of sound mind to see them. There's a family court hearing that June and Matthew's like, can we extend this by like a year? I don't want her near us. And the neighbor that remembered and everyone's ignoring is like, um, can I talk to the judge in private? Because the neighbor's scared of Matthew. Doesn't want to say anything probably publicly in court because Matthew's been proven to be creep and carries a gun. So and isn't afraid to fucking use it. The neighbor's like, can I talk to you in private? And the judge basically makes fun of the neighbor. It's like, oh, haven't heard that one before. So the hearing just sounds like another fucked up boys club. The neighbor won't talk then at that point. But still, the protective order is dismissed. But custody is still granted to Matthew at this time. So Jessica can only see the kids like one day a week. It has to be monitored. She has to pay out of her own money to have someone there watching. My God, this poor woman. Because otherwise, if she doesn't pay out of her own money to she have... She won't see them. Because no, they need... I think they appoint someone, but I think the person they appoint would be like Matthew's friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my God. Like, it would Where be like can beam. she go? It would be Where... like beam watching. What can she do? Okay, so this is what happens then. She, they, she has to get psychiatric examinations done. Right. They look at her and they're like, you have actually acute stress disorder, which would have been normal because it's basically from somebody being threatened and feeling like their life is on the line. So mm-hmm. it it's not in line with a depressive person that would commit suicide. Right. It's much more in line with someone that is afraid of someone that would maybe hurt them. Right. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation is like, we're going to close this case and say it's self-inflicted. No, 
They didn't do shit, by the way, with that picture the aunt tried to give them of the bruise on the back of her head. No, 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 no. And all the interviews in their report are just from, like, Matthew's friends at the police department. Nobody else. No. And they're like, oh, we don't really care if there's a history of domestic violence. That's none of our business. Oh, God. So Matthew gets a new girlfriend, Shelby. And in December of 2016, Jessica is, meanwhile, filing um, a report with the Griffin Police Department that says Matthew still has some of her belongings, like clothing and her retainer. And Matthew signs um, a sworn statement that says, I don't have anything that belongs to Jessica still. Shelby knows that he's signed this statement. Mm -hmm. Then she finds a bag of Jessica's clothes in her retainer. Mm. And it really freaks her out where she's like, this guy, if he lied about this, he doesn't care. He's going to lie about anything. I got to dump this guy. Come on, Shelby. (laughs) Right? She also is watching how he takes care of the kids and she's not into it. She's like, "Uh, these kids would be better off with their mom. Also, whenever he talks about Jessica, he talks about her in, like, a really crazy, dark way. He talks about Jessica as though she's not human. And so Shelby's like, ooh, I think I picked the wrong team. I might actually be Team Jessica. Mm -hmm. So she goes to this local guy, Will Sanders, who's a truck driver by trade, a PI by hobby. And he's been collecting information on the shooting and trying to give it to Jessica's family to help them. She tells him about the bag of clothes and retainer. Are they able to establish then that it's perjury since he signed a document so they can? Yeah. I mean, what happens is they find out he was lying and he's like cries like a little baby. Matthew does when they find out and they're like, you have to resign. So, I'm sorry. I'm and he's sorry. charged That's with enraging. He 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 kill, almost tried to kill his wife. Let's just say. Let's just let's just pretend like that's true because it's fucking true, and it's because he lied about having her fucking retainer that he's fired. It's so nuts. That it makes me so, so rage. He sh- totally got away with shooting her, but the retainer they can't abide. <laughs> they cannot abide. He's charged with two felonies for lying in the statement and for violating his oath. In April 2018, this is nine months after he's charged, Jessica calls the district attorney's office and is like, "Um, why hasn't his case gone to the grand jury? And they're like, well, in order to prove that a crime's been committed, we need to establish that the oath of office had been administered to Matthew. But the document that establishes that, we can't find it. God, they hid the fucking document of so, his oath. Remember the grip that was one of my sources? Mm-hmm. One of their reporters submits an open records act to the court where the judges swear in the new officers. And within three hours, she gets a copy of it, of the official oath. The DA's office has been trying to find it supposedly for six months and she gets it in three hours. So then the next day... They text the DA and they're like, uh, we have the document and Matthew's case is presented in July 2018. There's no public record of the proceeding, but we know that the grand jury chose not to indict Matthew. Is there any justice in this? Is there any justice? No, because four months later, he's hired as a reserve officer in Braswell, Georgia. So he lost his job, but now he's got a job. Um, what year is this? 2018. 
I'm so bad, Quinn. So Beam is no longer the sheriff. And when a new sheriff comes to town. Thank you. He goes in his first day of work on the job, goes into the office and says there's just garbage bags filled with shredded documents because they know a new guy's coming in. Who the fuck knows how many situations there have been. Oh, my God. And remember the nice P.I. by hobby, truck driver by trade? Yeah. Will. So he's like calling things out publicly. So then the cops are like. We have a bunch of your Facebook stuff that got turned over to us um, as part of this case. And we're going to make it all public if you don't shut the fuck up. He gets so freaked out, he shuts down his Facebook account, which was like the way he ran his business because it's how he made contact with people. Basically, he just gives up. They gets intimidated out of doing this. And he says he doesn't go anywhere anymore unless he's armed. And then he puts tape on his doors of his house and that he keeps his car really clean so that he'll be able to tell if somebody's planting something because he made an enemy of the local cops. So he's super paranoid now that they're after him. So then one of the kids goes to Jessica and is like, dad's hurting me. Child Protective Services gets involved and they have a child psychologist talk to the kids for like 25 sessions and they're like we recommend they not be able to see their father so now jessica lives two hours north of griffin she has a new fiance jacob boyack which is like a guy she went to high school with and she lives with her kids oh thank god yeah jacob was saying that she still automatically asks him permission to do things oh and he has to be like, you don't need to ask me she to do that. She was 15 when that started. Like that. Oh, God. And she has lasting damage, obviously, from being fucking shot in the head. She has migraines and she still has amnesia about the night of the shooting. But one thing she did say is she was like, uh, I don't think I wrote that text. There's just too many useless words. I'm a pretty good writer. And I also would have uh, like had a comma here. I would have said suicidal, not suicide. So... She doesn't know what happened that night, but I think we all do. I'm just so happy her kids are with her. Yeah. That is like the only the only silver lining of this case is that her kids She got are back a new guy. Her. He seems like he's probably a nice guy. She's with her kids, but Ugh. I want to be clear, not a happy ending. That bro's still a cop. I hate him. Wow. We need to be better. We need to be fucking better. I feel like I gave you a lot of anxiety. You gave me... I, Carrie's face angry. is, like, flushed. She's furious. I'm furious. It's because it's, it's so not right. And, like, this poor woman has had to use all of her resources with this guy for no fucking reason. Like, what does he contribute to that? Also, it just sucks because she was, like, 15 when she made this call. Can you, I mean, if I were married God to the guy damn. I was dating when I was 15... Oh, we wouldn't be here. I would be talking about a story of you. Like, I would. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Like, I... oh, awful men. More to come next week. Um, <laughs> they're I'm... a dime a dozen. They're a dime folks. a fucking dozen. We'll never run out of stories because that's what we're here for. Because the world is filled to the brim with, with toxic monsters. masculinity. <laughs> toxic masculinity. Monsters. This is not having to do with toxic masculinity, possibly, but I don't think so. It's the Dilatov Pass. Oh, my God. Do you know of it? Of course. Really? I'm obsessed with it. Really? 
oh my God, I'm obsessed with it. And they have new information that just came out. Yeah, 2019, 2020. I don't believe it, though. I think it was a Yeti. Anyway, go on. <laughs> okay, well, let's go through it. Um, I got this information from Wikipedia, National Geographic, so Nature.com, Smithsonian, BBC, MuseumCenter.org, Interesting Engineering. So backstory. This is taking place in Russia, so I'm not going to tell you the names because I have a hard time pronouncing them. And also, it's confusing. So there's a bunch of the... There's, there's like 10 Russians. There's Russian students. The, what you need to know is that a lot of the people on this expedition were really young. They were in their 20s, one 38-year-old. That was the anomaly. So they were going on a bit of a journey. Suspicious. It's suspicious that a 30-year-old... Why are you hanging out with all those 20-year-olds? Here's what's happening. I am not an outdoorsman. I am in that I've walked four miles here to record a podcast, but I'm not that outdoorsy. I love to sled. I love hot chocolate. I go to ski for the hot chocolate. And by skiing, I haven't done that in probably 20 years. So these Russian <laughs> young adults love the outdoors. Like a lot of them were in engineering school. They loved it. There was this guy, Igor Dilatov, who basically was like, hey, friends, before school, let's go on a fucking journey in a mountain. Let's go skiing. I said, hikers were hiking. How novel. So it was a skiing expedition of the Earl Mountains. I um, mean, it's led by this guy, Igor Dilatov, who's 23 years old. And so he starts like being like, hey, friends, let's go camping. Let's hang out. Let's do that. Eight men, two women. That 38-year-old who's the anomaly was supposed to go on like a similar expedition and was like, can I just come with you? And they were like, of course, the more the merrier. So everyone was like incredibly experienced. They knew what they were doing for the most part, as much as you can in nature. So they leave January 25th, 1959. January 27th, one of the guys, his like sciatic nerve was hurting, some joint pain. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to turn back. I'm out. I'm not going to do this. Oh, really? Yeah. Lucky duck. He would be the only survivor. So thank God for that sciatic nerve. That's what I'm going to say every time. Like, this could save my life. <laughs> Whenever the moral of the story pain, is... Back being good. Give up. Give up. When the going gets rough, give, give up. up. Amen. So the nine remaining hikers be hiking on January 30th. <laughs> they be hiking. They be hiking. On January 30th, they were starting to make like the ascent up the mountain or up like a steeper area. So they cache their equipment where they like put it at the bottom of the mountain so that when they come back, it's there. So they right, drop right, off right. some supplies. I know nothing about the outdoors. So, so you this were like, was, okay. I was like, that's really smart. That's smart. Good idea, guys. Really great idea. Good work. <laughs> so they continued to climb and they were going through the Dilatov Pass. As they climbed, it was like really low visibility. They got a little bit confused. They went the wrong direction, but they were they figured it out and they were going to correct. And in the meantime, they were going to set up camp to rest near the slope of a mountain. So this was on... February 1st that they were going to set up slope. So they cut the mountain at the bottom of a mountain where they set up camp. They kind of cut out an area where they put their tent, which protects against wind. Right. Mm -hmm. And so their team was supposed to send a telegram to their family on February 12th. That was the plan. And come February 12th, no, no telegram. telegram. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And so they were like, okay, they could have been delayed. All good. Let's wait a couple of days. Then on February 20th, the family was like, okay, it's been a couple days, aka eight. 
Let's fucking do something. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of volunteer students and teachers went searching. They had helicopters. There were people hiking their trail, all this stuff. On February 26th, they finally find the group's tent. The tent was half torn, and also it was covered with some snow, but it was completely empty, and all of the belongings, including shoes, were left behind. They found a flask with some vodka, because it's Russia. They found a route map, money, food, journals, cameras, so they could, again, like account for some of their journey. The people who found it were like, this does not look good because the tent had been, well, the tent had been cut open from the inside. Like someone's like, for some reason, they cut themselves out through the opening, but cutting an opening. There was like clearly some panic and it was a cut out from the, and so they first are like, this is so crazy. This does not look good. They all took like a toast of the flask and then somebody was like to their health and somebody was like, no, 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 to their eternal peace. Because they're like, this is not looking they good. They not be okay. No. So there were some journal entries that I'll read to you that they found at the scene. Great. They were written mostly by the two women that were on the trip. And God love them. They were sensitive. And they were. They just seemed re- like, I can't get over how young this group was. Her journal entry had said, in the train, we all sang songs accompanied by a mandolin. Then out of the blue, this really drunk guy came up to our boys and accused them of stealing a bottle of vodka. He demanded it back and threatened to punch them in the teeth, but he couldn't prove anything and eventually he got lost. We sang and sang and no one even noticed how we slipped into a discussion about love and kisses in particular. Whoa. Like, I guess there was some romantic stuff between two of them where they were like had dated and they weren't anymore and they were on the trip. One wrote her family before she went. She said, we're going camping, 10 of us. It's a great bunch of people. I have all the warm clothes I need, so don't worry about me. How are you? Has the cow calved yet? I love her milk. Just painting a picture of just like sweet, innocent, lovely people. So they see this horrifying tent situation, and then they noticed footprints. And what's interesting about the footprints is it's made by clearly bare feet, or feet just in socks, or one boot. So, so again, a scramble. So a scramble. But what's really interesting is they're not in patterns of running. That's so weird. It's like Why it doesn't do you not look have like, time to put on your shoes. But then you're not sprinting. They're not like sprinting. They're the saying snow, that, you're they're, like they're saying walking. that evidence is it's like calm, so measured walking. Weird. So. That's just like they find it. They it leads them to this forest area, which is less than a mile away. Well, on the way to the woods, they found three bodies. They then continue on to the woods and they find this tree where there's evidence of a fire. And they find two bodies that were in their pajamas and underwear. Mm-hmm. So like not well clothed at all. So all of those deaths are very consistent with hypothermia. Three people that were found in the snow on the way to the wood where they're not sure if they died trying to go back to the camp or going to the wood. And then there's the two that they found near the tree where there's evidence of a fire that were in their pajamas and underwear. And so there's four more that they're searching for. It took them four months to find the remaining bodies. Wow. They were found under 13 feet of snow a couple hundred feet away from the tree. 
Three of them were better dressed, and that included, like, some extra clothes wrapped around their feet or all this stuff. So maybe there was a possibility that they took it from some of their other colleagues who died, and maybe they took their clothes. But what's weird about it is these four were near a flowing creek, and three of them had fatal injuries that didn't totally account for hypothermia, right? You'd, you'd assume or impact injuries, right? Consistent with like the force of a car crash. Oh my God. Like one of them had major skull damage and then two of them had chest damage. One of them had incredible chest damage and the other had a small crack in the skull, which doesn't account for the cause of death, but is noted that there was something that happened there. Um, but they all had soft tissue damage. Um, two of them were missing eyes. One was missing their tongue. One was missing their eyebrows. What? Which that is bizarre. Um, That's nuts. So they were saying you that could the, say like an animal would eat maybe a tongue or an eye. Well, I like don't think they'd graze on an eyebrow. No. Also, what's noteworthy about the the bodies found at the fire is they found evidence that one of them bit his knuckle off because they saw part of his knuckle missing and they saw it in his mouth. I think he was just so cold or something. I don't know. It but broke like off or... Yeah, they're also to say something about how them they're in their pajamas and underwear, sometimes when people go through hypothermia They feel hot, right? They feel hot. It's like what is the phrase? It's like reverse dressing where they have this like feeling of heat so they take all their clothes off. You also kind of go mental, right? Like, you, like, lose yeah. your marbles when you get that cold. So you would maybe see something crazy, like someone biting off their knuckle yeah. or somebody getting stripping, something totally. bizarre. Yeah. Um, so some people also thought the soft tissue damage was also because they were maybe near a creek. So maybe this was just, like, and again, it's 25 days later. Or no, it's four months later. It's, like, you know, so it's, like... It was in May when they found those bodies. So maybe there was, like, something of, like, the erosion of their bodies or whatever. Oh, like, the tissue was from eroding, not from... Not from an animal. The soft tissue damage is less, I think, damning than this, like, blunt force trauma that they had on their heads and chest. Right. These four bodies. So do they think that the blunt force... I mean, are they going to try to argue... That that's impact of snow from avalanche. Yeah, I mean, obviously, avalanche is definitely is like top the, of the favorite list. theory of a lot of people. Um, and I'll get into some of the disputes. So, what's also really interesting about this is this is taking place in Russia in 1959. So there is a lot of secrecy in the USSR, right? Like the Soviet Union was like, this is hidden. So. We do know, based on their autopsy, that the victims died six to eight hours after their last meal. By the way, this area is called the Dilatov Pass because it's named after Igor Dilatov, the leader of this group. Similar to when I did the um, Donner Party, the Donner Pass, it's like the same thing. It's like, here's something horrific that happened here. Let's name it after one of the people. Great. Let's do that. Apparently, the government investigated this and they said it was a death due to compelling natural causes or an unknown natural force. But they basically wrote it off as like, it's natural. It was just a freak accident. They all died. It. They stopped the investigation in 1959 because they couldn't find anything damning to prove otherwise. But the files were then sent to a secret archive, including the camera negatives. Obviously, the secrecy of this all 
started breeding all these conspiracy theories. In an article I read, they interviewed Igor Dilatov's sister, whose mom wouldn't let her go to the funeral because they didn't want to see her brother's body because it was so different. Like, she said that her son's hair was gray. What? And they said that there there was a 12-year-old boy who's obsessed with this and still, like, like collects all this information. And he said that their skin was so deep, dark tan. Some people think it might have been an orange hue or tint to it. That could be consistent with just, like, the sun outside damage. Um, Not if you're buried in snow, though, right? Totally. So here are some theories the three that they find on the way in between the forest and the campsite, they're not sure if the three were trying to return to the camp after something happened and then died on their way. The two that were by the fire in their, you know, underwear pajamas, so those five they can account for as hypothermia. The other blunt force trauma, that's a little bit harder to prove the hypothermia. So obviously, avalanche is a big favorite, and I think it was a favorite at the time. Now, here's some evidence contradicting an avalanche. There's There was no obvious signs of an avalanche. On February 1st, the last day that they camped, or the last day that we can record them as alive, um, there was no snowfall, which would make an avalanche pretty improbable. Which And weren't they kind of in like a flat area? So this is conflicting. So they say that the degree of like an avalanche occurring has to be at least 30 degrees. Theirs did not meet that criterion. This 30 degree mark didn't meet their criterion. But now the new information is like there's a different kind of weird avalanche that could have happened. The new information is saying that they actually went back to the spot and it's actually more of a de- it's a it's more of a significant grade than they actually thought. They think it could have just been a mistake where he was like, "Oh, this is fine. This is, you know, it's it's not a bad spot. We can cut the mountain no problem." Um but I guess it was a little bit more precarious than it looks. Okay. So now they're saying it could have been. But then it's so weird that they left all right, if you think an avalanche is going to happen, I'm well, just trying to get there mentally. That's the thing. So they, so, okay, let me go through some more evidence of discrediting because I can go into that later. But out of a hundred, hundreds of expeditions, there's been no similar incident, especially when it's that cold in February. You can see avalanches happening in May or April when things start melting and stuff and the snow gets a little bit less packed. Also, avalanche victims tend to asphyxiate. Just the cause of death of like what that was And even if there was an avalanche, there's a theory that it would have missed the tent completely. What's interesting, too, is when they cut the mountain, it could potentially weaken the snow build, right? Okay. So they cut the mountain, which I think is to say at the bottom of the slope, I could be wrong. I'm not an outdoorsy person. But what it sounded like when I was reading it was like you can cut out an area to put your tent to block you from the elements at the bottom of a mountain. Right. When that happens, if it were to weaken the structure and would cause a consequential avalanche, it would happen not nine hours later. Okay. Which this happened about nine hours after they after they cut the tent, they fleed there. They were able to deduce that it was like a nine hour later that they left. Can I ask another question? Please. I'm I don't want to make you go out of order no, of how you want to go, but I these are like occurring to me in real time, so yeah. I also want to ask them. Is the is there any thought that something not them 
could have caused an avalanche that is... Yes. So there's catabatic or catabatic winds, which I think is just this rare occasion of violent winds. So while there was no snowfall on February 1st, there's the possibility that winds were so violent that it picked up something that it did, um, that it did affect the snow that it could have caused what they call like a slab avalanche, which is like a, it's a specific type of avalanche as opposed to, um, as opposed to like what we know as like, some other more typical avalanches and also could account for some blunt force trauma if it's that. But what the diagrams had said, you have the base of the mountain, you have like an ice slab, you have like there's different sort of sections of the mountain and the top, which is like the new fresh snow. If the winds aggravated it, it could have, you know, sort of like disjointed the under area and that could have caused an avalanche. The tent was destroyed, but on top of the tent was a lantern that still worked. What the fuck? <laughs> right? Also, I'm just trying to picture. I, I like. I don't understand nature either, but I'm like, an avalanche is happening. I can still go out the front of my tent. I don't need to cut myself out of my tent. That part is. And they're all sharing one tent, right? So all of them are in one tent. What's amazing to me is that they go not well-dressed, that their clothes, coats, boots are still left at the site. Yeah, because it also feels like I have time to cut a hole in the tent. I got time to at least put on my boots. People were in their underwear. People were not clothed. Also, I'm like, how are you going to sleep and, like, in pajamas? Like, aren't you – isn't it cold? Did they do any toxicology reports on the bodies? No. Not that I'm aware of. I do know that they found some radiation evidence on right. one of their clothes. Reminds me of the lead mask case. I'm like, Doesn't were it? there aliens that were trying to talk to these totally. people and it didn't go great? Totally. And they were all very experienced skiers. So like I said, it's like, would they be putting their tent in a precarious situation? But like they later said was maybe it was more precarious than it looked, that it was just like an honest mistake. But then wouldn't we have come upon this scene and said, aha, an avalanche? What's very weird is to be like, maybe it was an avalanche. It's like, well, then why doesn't it fucking look like an avalanche? What's weird to me is that they all nine left, not well prepared, not well dressed, there were three people on the way. There were two people at the fire. There were four people that had these like, crazy damage on their bodies. It's just like it's a weird scene. I feel like, again, I don't know what I would do as an avalanche. Nine people all separate in their deaths and not well-dressed. And they were wa- the walking pattern is strange where they're walking at a normal pace, which is bizarre. So some other theories. Animal attack. It's a possibility. Quinn's favorite, obviously. You think it was a Yeti? You think it was like a supernatural? I think they were all scared of something enough that the most important thing was to run the fuck away from it. And the idea that... And then they couldn't survive in the world without yeah their shit. So they quickly died. Some of them died because the Yeti attacked them, which is why they have crazy blows on their bodies. Right. And they're missing eyes and a tongue, which we all know that's a Yeti diet. We're all aware of that, I think. I think that's a fact. I think it's actually been proven. There's So what's really crazy, too, is, again, they had cameras with them. And so there are pictures. There's a picture of, like, a 
person i mean it looks honestly like perception where it's like it's through trees and it looks like just someone in the back and the and the quality of the film isn't like incredible right right but what are they of it just is like snow and there's a figure in the back it looks like a monster like it does look no. like a monster are you serious yeah are you fucking serious it doesn't look like a monster but it looks like a human form but it like looks big i should find it and show so it to you alien or yeti is what you're telling me. <laughs> well, I don't think so many... These cameras, I think, had, like, longer exposure, too. Like, I but, don't think... But this guy was also like, holy shit, I gotta get a photo of what's happening because no one is gonna... Bl-. You wouldn't I be don't like, listen. I'm, I'm sorry. At it. Wait, let me see if I die, can find if it. you are about to die, right. you're in peril, and you go to pull out a camera, to me, the psychology behind that is not... And I need everyone to know about this avalanche. Hold because on. you would not... You would say, and they'll know it was an avalanche because an avalanche is common and happens. If you are running to pull out a camera as you die, it is because something is absolutely crazy that's happening. And you're like, I've, or, or there's a murder happening and you will have to show them who's committing it. There's no way they pulled out a camera to be like, are you fucking kidding me? What do you see? I we'll see, post this on the story. I see an alien or a Yeti. You don't think that could be a human? I think it's an alien. Okay. So let's keep going through some theories. But that's the picture that, like, is so creepy looking, isn't it? Again, though, you're about to die and you choose to take this picture. Also, the camera was found in the tent, so I don't know if that's... Like the camera wasn't found near their bodies. So when they left, this camera was what was left there at the they campsite. They took this picture then ran. No. I don't think so. This what is, do you think? Because they were in their tent when they started to leave. And they didn't run. They walked. I don't know. They walked because they were being marched by somebody. Maybe. So here... Okay. So obviously animal attack is a, is, is a theory the indigenous people of that area were the Mansi. I might be saying that incorrectly, but so of course at this time in history, they were being, they were targeted against, they were maligned by the government. Like there was, if there was any chance it would be others and not Russians, they were like an easy scapegoat. So the Mansi were reindeer herders who lived on that area. So some people thought that they, oh, they attacked them. Obviously, and no, it's not what to happened. what end. Like, to what exactly? Well, some people theorize that they had they had hiked into a sacred area. Um, and so they would have like taken them or, you know, told them to turn around not to be there. I don't buy it. That's a it theory. It doesn't sound right to me. So they were interrogated. It was a dead end. Also, there was no sign of struggle. Um, and the Mansi are very peaceful people. I mentioned the catabatic winds, that like powerful wind that could have shook up the avalanche. There was also a theory that they were so strong that a member of the group could have just been blown away. Mary Poppins style. Holy shit. So that's how they follow. Well, that would give you some impact injury if you got blown up. Like it's a twister style. You totally. got like picked up and thrown down. Right. Dang. That's um, wild. Now we're getting into like a little bit more conspiracy. Infrared-induced panic, which was infrared that's caused by the wind, could have been so distressing physically and mentally 
that it would cause like disorientation disorientation and pain that like the infrared sound of the wind created that the wind was so intense that it was infrared it's like dog whistle style where it's like a pitch that you would just be like that's insane my brain is scrambled my brain is blowing up Obviously, I'm going to bite my knuckle off and run into the snow <laughs> yes, barefoot. In my skivvies. Paranormal. But the fire doesn't really go no, with that. No, because it does look like, because also where they were Because you just run like a lunatic. You wouldn't be like, and now let's light a fire. Build a fire. They also found that in the tree that they were under, there was like twigs that were taken down, which they think that was used for kindling, which makes sense. Um, to the fire. But so if it your looks brain like, is all scrambled eggs, you're not going to build a fire. Possibly. Paranormal. That's all I'm going to say about that. There's really yes. another. I mean, you That's can't. That's what I'm signing up for. Or and aliens. But we've already established earlier with Post Malone, paranormal and aliens. You, it's kind of like you believe in They're both or none. They're a little bit hand in hand. They're a little bit buddies. There were some hikers near the Dilatov Pass at the time that noticed strange orange spheres in the sky. Strange orange spheres does sound like the lead mass case. And it does sound like aliens. aliens. Um, and witnesses had come forward years later to confirm that as well. But the officials obviously was like, nah, don't don't investigate that. I'm going alien or government. That's next. Okay, That's next. Okay. okay, military involvement. So there is theories that they were testing their parachute mines. Like, remember, this is peak Cold War. Right. Right. So parachute mines were naval mines that were thrown off of a plane and they would impl- they would explode above ground. They didn't wait for the for the ground to make impact. This could account for some of that blunt force trauma that some of the victims had, right? So it wouldn't cause as much superficial damage if the impact was so big that it just caused a lot of internal damage and also could account for the orange spheres seen in the sky. Right? If you think about like bombs dropping, they could have been performing tests the military with these naval mines or whatever and then they heard an explosion and freaked out, thought it was an avalanche, exited the tent, cut themselves out and escaped and then realized they weren't dressed and then died from hypothermia and weather-related illness. Radiological. Why does that word sound wrong? Radi- radio- Why does it sound radiological? Yeah. Is that a word? Yeah. Don't you look at words and you're like, is this a word? Radiological. Radiological weapons. So one victim had some radiation on their clothing. And I mentioned before how their skin was really orange and really tan. But that's pretty consistent with the mummification of the body, right? Like it can get taut and tight. But also I mentioned that lantern that was still working, that was on top of their thing, that had some radiation in it as well. So that could account for the radiation on their clothing. My favorite... When people theorize that it was a romantic dispute. Okay, stop. That's the most annoying I, thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the most life. annoying and I love it because there's always like maybe there was a love triangle. One of Two of them did date and then they were in their underwear. <sighs> Scandalous. PJs and undies. Oh my. They were in love. They're not the underwear you're picturing. I think it's like Hannah Anderson long underwear, you guys. It's not like <laughs> sexy thongs. You think it's like Mormon undergarments? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, it's warm long undies, right? 
Totally. So obviously 1959, they closed the case, put it in secret. A lot of these conspiracy theories came to light. Um, 2009, the diaries of the hikers that I had read before had finally come, become public. And they're not like salacious, which no. I don't think accounts for the romance theory. But it's basically like we talked about kissing. Like it's just like young people. I'm sorry. That's like really desperately looking for clues. They're like, okay, talked about kissing, kissing. and then this happened. They were fucking. In 2018, one of the victims... Um, remains was exhumed by a journalist and they claimed that the DNA didn't match existing members of their family and that like it wasn't them and there was somebody living under that name okay here's the thing I I just have to say it because it was mentioned I don't think that's a thing Uh, but I get the wanting to like take one person from the group and be like there was one bad guy and that's why this happened. I think they exhumed it to be like, you know what? There are people that are still alive from this. It's not real. Because this person that they exhumed looked like they'd been in a car accident, not in a... It just is... No, I don't think. I don't think. And I think that's really the scary thing about this is we'll never 100% know what happened because no, there's no witnesses. There's no one that was there. In 2019, Russia opened a new investigation. And scientists were researching it and they used this is crazy they used the animation from frozen stop yes so researchers were looking at frozen and were like wow the animators did such a brilliant job depicting snow so they met with the walt disney people and they were able to be like okay how did you make x y and z work and then they like adjusted the animation so they could sort of mimic what a slab avalanche would look like these winds high wind speeds and how that would affect the slab avalanche they that's did their, crazy isn't that insane and they also used cadavers by gm so back when they would use cadavers to test seat belts They would test them on, like, slabs and not slabs. So there was, like, a way to know if, like, high impact with a hard backing behind you. So they were able to look at the cadavers because when you're cross-country skiing or hiking like they are, they slept on their skis. So when the slab, quote, avalanche hit them, they were on a hard surface. So that would help account for some of the damage. And so they used cadavers from GM to compare to the findings and the autopsy of the victims from the Dilatov Pass. It's a little... Listen, basically what happens is, is they do their final presentation in July 2020. Okay, so not that long ago. And they stay... They pretty much are like, it was natural causes. It was an avalanche or a slab avalanche or maybe a hurricane. They said that the survivors were forced to leave their camp in their poor choice of clothing because there was they got freaked out about the avalanche possibly coming and hurting them and they couldn't see in the wind there was low visibility the blunt force trauma that they experienced is consistent possibly with the slab avalanche but i don't know if they could have been alive and then eventually succumb to those injuries when they were far enough away from the camp so some of them got hit by the avalanche and had blunt force others just froze mm-hmm. and left and couldn't go back because they weren't dressed properly and they had low visibility. They, they were, the weather conditions were so bad. Missing eyes and tongue is animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, what's interesting is there's a connection. Do you know that they call the Yuba County Five the American Dilatov Pass? Yeah. Did you mention that when we did that episode? I don't know, but I did know that. Yeah, because I saw that at the end and I was like, oh my god, that's one of our first. That's one of our first episodes. Yeah. 
That'd be like a first five you episodes. look at all the evidence of what was left behind and it doesn't tell a, a clear, clear story at, at all. all. And yeah. whenever you start to go down one path, you feel like you can be like, but then why? But then why? And like sort of discount the path right. you're on, uh, which is why I got to say it's for sure aliens. It's not an easily explained crime scene. Nobody was by themselves, so it clearly was an effort to keep each other alive. They were like, mm-hmm. I think it's like really what, what you see the story is of like the human um, survival and wanting to stay alive and also stay together because mm-hmm. you saw the two by the fire, the three in the snow, the four by so like nobody was completely they were isolated. All trying to they help were all each trying. other in cluster. Yeah. So I think um, that's like a really nice way of looking at it, looking at it, but. You know, I don't know the fact that there's not a clear evidence to an avalanche and no snowfall was on that night. It's just, it's a bit weird. It could have just been a freak fucking accident. But or again, the maybe fact that it was they... Elsa. <gasps> the cold never bothered her Olaf. anyway. I bet Olaf is a real dick in real life. Definitely. Well, he's a Yeti. I'm just kidding. He's an alive snowman. I... He was made of snow, but the children know. That he came to life one day? Yeah. You know. I was a snow monster. It, here's the thing. It was aliens for sure. I think it could have military. And I think the government being like, nope, nothing to see here. Well, the government, what I recall. It's just the Russian government at this time. Or was it, was it, is it considered the Soviet Union in 1959? And then is it Russia later? I don't know. What I know is that that government is shady as shit. They hide stuff. That's the thing. And that, what I remember is that they hide stuff in this case. Well, everything was put in like a secret archive where it's like, the what thing if, is, why isn't it public? Then the if it's fact nothing that to it's hide. secret makes me think it's either aliens, because we all know you can't trust the public to know that. Why? Is it because my teeny tiny little pea-sized brain can't fathom life outside of this universe? And it's what I mentioned before. I think it's because they want to be in charge of talking to them. They don't want us to be like, here's the deal. We would be they want such, them to be like, here's the deal. We would be great ambassadors, Quinn. <laughs> they don't want us to be. Do you think I they can hear us on their Wi-Fi? As frequently their, as I can. Do you think they are wife? Do you think they're podcast listeners? Do you think actually they're from Finland and they're listening through Finland and it's why we're 200... Finnish f- aliens <laughs> are to blame. <laughs> Finland, we love you. We love you. Our three listeners. Number, number, we were number like 144 this week. We're climbing the Finland charts faster than you can say Finland. <laughs> um, There's at least eight episodes on Patreon. Soon nine, to be nine. Soon to be nine when well this comes out. Well worth your patronage. So please uh, subscribe if you want more content. <gasps> we're also always chatting, giving people some fun little bonus materials. So... Yeah. Uh, join us. Join us. It's a really cool club to be a part it's of. So fun. Here's the thing: we need to read more on this. We have to get to the bottom of this. It's I do really think confusing. We can solve it. The thing is, is it's confusing because it talks about geography, and I'm a little like not interested. Not interested. However, very interested in the idea that the government killed them, and then was like, "Oops, we were running an experiment in that neck of the woods. Didn't tell anyone. They died as a result of a weird experiment." That we were doing, and now we have to cover it up. I at like the same that idea time, too. They beat the indigenous population, the Mansi people there. The secret police beat them. So it's like, would they beat those folks if they knew what it was internally? Who says everyone knew? Right. They're fronting like they don't right. know. Right, right, right. But at least two guys know. Yeah. Elsa knows. Let it go. Let it go.